Hey fam, welcome back to our online experience. I hope you enjoyed that incredible worship put together by Zealous Music. Man, 2020 has really created some new ways uh, and opportunities for us to still experience the presence of God. Uh, I, I, I have to say, though these digital or these virtual gatherings are so different, Every time we have come together to put uh, an online experience together, there's been some amount of learning, there's been some amount of uh, new experiences that we have journeyed to and experienced as a team as well. And I hope, uh, you know, as you have been sitting back and as you have been tuning in on a weekly uh, basis, I hope that the Lord has been really ministering to you, speaking in, uh, into your situations and your lives, your faith is being renewed and your hope is being restored in everything that Jesus is doing. It's uh, like I say, it's so incredible when we get to hear on a weekly basis as to how God is really speaking into your situations through these weekly online gatherings. Just last week, uh, we, were, we were talking about this, this talk, why would I fear the future? And uh, it's crazy that just before we got into this recording session, I, I, I heard such an incredible testimony about how timely last week's word was. And that's the beauty of how God works. And I'm, I'm sure today as we are going to be diving into our talk, I believe God is willing and God is ready in fact to, to speak to your life, to speak to your situations. The question I want to throw at you is, are you really ready to engage with what God wants to speak to you? Not just listen, not just watch because this, this, this is rolling right now, but really pause everything, really kind of put those thoughts and those, and those, and those questions and those moments to, to maybe a standstill and kind of plug in kind of to, to what exactly God wants to nudge you with, what God wants to speak to you with. So come on, if that's you, I just want to tell you, let's do this together. You know, and, and I'm going to be talking about something so, so, so simple, uh, one of the passages in the Bible. And, and, and of course, uh, it, it's, it's kind of tied down to our, our heart. It's kind of tied down to, to humanity. And I'll, and I'll get there. We, we'll talk about, I'll, I'll kind of just going to be giving the uh, title of the message in, in a bit. But you know, I, I don't know if you've been in these moments or, or introspective moments rather, where you think it's so kind of surprising when, when you hear about Jesus from different sources. You know, uh, for those of you who started your Christian faith once upon a time, whenever that was, whether it was a week, a month, a few years down uh, earlier, it's so surprising about the, the different things that you, you, that you start to hear about it. And, and some of those, uh, when it comes to Jesus, don't really make sense to your intellect, to your understanding. Uh, but but as, you, as you hear them more often, it begins to shape your faith. It begins to shape your understanding about Him. And, and what is even more interesting is when you take our time to sit down, and, and read the scriptures, read the Bible for yourself. And you go like, okay, uh, how come I never heard this before? Like, why would nobody tell me this earlier? And, 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 and you say to yourself like, I have 
kind of this limited understanding or knowledge about Jesus Christ, the person that we talk about, the person we sing about, the person that on, on, for why we even gather as a community. I've got such limited understanding. I don't know if you have said that to yourself or if you have even thought that about, about that entire thought. Like, let me, let me give you a couple of examples, right? There's this line of thought that Christianity is a Western religion and we as Easterners have nothing to do about it, nothing to do with it. And, and then you kind of you know, start reading the scriptures for yourself and you see that how the Christian faith is rooted and it kind of stems out of, these, of, the, of the Middle Eastern culture and all the geographic references that are there in the Bible that help us, that help you and me understand that Christianity is not really a Western religion. In fact, the most beautiful, the most beautiful part about the Christian faith is that it crosses cultures. It goes beyond ethnicities, it goes beyond nations, and it kind of focuses on entire humanity. Or, or, or how about this, you know? Most of the times when you've heard about Jesus Christ, you, you would have heard about, oh, the love of God, the compassion, the kindness, the, the, the miracles, the teachings that he had and he did for the people. But how about the time where, where, when Jesus used a whip in the temple, in, in the courts of the temple where Jesus used a whip to, to kind of whack those people and take them out of the temple because the very people who were responsible to kind of take, uh, kind of, you know, maintain uh, a certain amount of authenticity in their worship to God. Uh, some of those people during that time had made this entire concept of worshiping God and obeying His commands into a business. And those are the guys who, who Jesus used to whip against. And, and the first time I read that in the Bible for myself, I was like, I did not know Jesus did that. I mean, like, seriously, whip people I mean, Jesus, you, you talk about love, you, you, you talk about peace, you talk about forgiveness. Why the whip? Why the whip? So, the next time you want to give yourself some time to reflect on Jesus and, and kind of think about his life and, and meditate or study about his life, here's something that I just want to leave you with. Check your source. Check your source, because maybe not everything we hear and learn about Jesus is always from the right source or comes to us with the right perspective. And, and you know, there are some moments in, in, in our lives where, where, where God wants to, uh, all that God wants to do in us is, is stalled because of our mindsets, is stalled because of our upbringing, is stalled because of the situations that, that we get we get ourselves caught up in and and all of that leads to this resistance that that we build for ourselves over the years like some of us really find find it hard to embrace love when all you have seen and experienced is hatred and turmoil are you guys with me some some of us find it so difficult to live our lives in peace when all you have seen and experienced over the years is constant chaos. 
And, and I remember my, my initial journey when I received Jesus Christ as my personal savior. It was an experience that was so liberating, yet I, it was at the same time so overwhelming as well because you really don't know what's the next steps, uh, how you're supposed to kind of respond to that, uh, to that incredible feeling that you have deep down inside. Like you know something has changed, you know something new has begun, but you don't know what the actual steps look like. And, and for me, I was like, okay, I really don't know how to embrace this new life because for me, acceptance was, was, was nothing close to, to my circle, was nothing close to my life because my life was filled with these thoughts and these moments of rejection and, and the thought of the creator, the living God accepting me as I am just couldn't fit well to, to my dynamics or, or the thoughts that I had built up for myself. And I don't know if you have found yourself in a similar place where, where you have been hearing uh, these, these weekly talks that we, that we have been doing and, and where we talk about Jesus, we talk about everything that he does. And sometimes you find yourself completely out of place because your mind and your heart cannot comprehend the ways and the works of God. If, if that's you... I want to tell you, I want to speak to you today. I want to, I want to speak to all of us rather for the, on the next few minutes and helping us see the heart of Jesus and the, and the response of humanity in, in the context of this one particular passage that I want us to look at. You know, the three out of the four gospel books in the, in the New Testament, the first four books mention about this particular incident and every single writer kind of brings the, their own uniqueness by writing, by penning down something fascinating about this incident. And, and one of the reasons I really love talking about Jesus, whether it's in a personal setting or, or even, even when we do church, is Jesus never stopped surprising his disciples and, and he never stopped surprising the crowds with the way he did life. I mean, you know, he, Jesus, he was so focused on representing the heart of the, of the Father during his time on earth that he was, he was not really bothered about the socio-cultural norms and the customs and the traditions and the rituals. You know, in this particular story itself, Jesus steps into, the, into a territory where the usual Jew or, or a religious teacher would not even consider or would not give much regard to go there. And, and, and let's say that this place that Jesus goes to is, is kind of against the Jewish dietary culture. Yet, Jesus, being a, a fully devout Jewish young man, stepped foot across cultures, across the norms, just to save one soul. Just to save one soul. That is literally what Jesus does in this particular story when he took his disciples you know and crossed over a lake and and not only that while crossing this lake he even commands kind of speaks to the winds and the storms that are kind of coming as an obstruction for these guys to go across the lake he speaks to the winds he speaks to the storms and he kind of calms it down and he comes across this this place and he meets this this young man who is demon possessed and now 
When, when, this, when this encounter happens, there's a collision that's about to happen between these two forces of good and bad. Let's read Luke 8, 26 onwards. And I'm reading from the message translation. Luke chapter 8, verses 26. They sailed on to the country of Gerasenes, directly opposite Galilee. As he stepped out onto land, a madman from town met him. He was a victim of demons. He hadn't worn clothes for a long time, nor lived at home. He lived in the cemetery. When he saw Jesus, he screamed, fell before him and bellowed, What business do you have messing with me? You're Jesus, son of the high God, but don't give don't give me a hard time. The man said this because Jesus had started to order the unclean spirit. Unclean spirit out of him. Time after time, the demon threw the man into convulsions. He had been placed under constant guard and tied with chains and shackles. But crazed and driven wild by the demon, he would shatter the bonds. Jesus asked him, what's your name? Mob. Or, or like some of your translations would say, legion. My name is Mob, he said, because many demons afflicted him and they begged Jesus desperately not to order them to the bottomless pit. Are you guys still with me? Come on, this, this is about to get exciting. I, I hope you've got your Bibles on or you're reading them from your digital devices. Verse 32, a large herd of pigs was, was browsing and rooting on a nearby hill. The demons begged Jesus, to order them into the pigs. He gave the order. It was even worse for the pigs than the man. Crazed, they stampeded over a cliff into the lake and drowned. Those tending the pigs, scared to death, bolted and their story in town uh, and, and, and bolted and told their story in town and country. People went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus. And found the man from whom the demons had been sent, sitting there at Jesus' feet, wearing decent clothes and making sense. Things happen when we sit at the feet of Jesus. Something radical happens when you and me allow ourselves to be found in the presence of Jesus. And, and, and we're seeing that over here. It was a holy moment. It was a holy moment and for a short time, they were more reverent than curious. Then those who had seen it happen told how the demonic had been saved. Later, a great many people from Jerusalem countryside got together and asked Jesus to leave. Too much change, too fast and they were scared. So Jesus got back in the boat and set off. The man whom he had delivered from the demons asked to go with him but he sent him back saying go home and tell everything God did in you so he went back and preached all over town everything Jesus had done in him what an incredible story what an incredible story before we go forward I just I just pray and I hope God would really speak to you. Can we, can we just pray together before we go forward? Father, I want to thank you for every single person that's listening 
to these words right now. God, though these, though these uh, few verses would, would be a bit so different from the current culture and, and the current uh, things that we get ourselves into, I pray, Lord, that this is your word. And Lord, your Holy Spirit would make every amount of renewal, every amount of change that is required in our lives and in our hearts as we dive into this talk. Father, I pray for every single person tuning in right now that you would speak to their hearts right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes on this talk that I want to call Heart for Humanity. Heart for Humanity. You know, like I said, it's, it's, it's incredible how Jesus can surprise us with the way he works. You know, Jesus, when he was here, he was not after success. He, he was not after fame. He, all that mattered to Jesus was, was really to reflect the Father heart of God and help people see and live out the truth. And, and we see that from this particular story as well, we see the, the heart that Jesus has for humanity, the heart that God has for, for this one person and Jesus came to establish not his own kind of fan base, not as grow his own Instagram followers, not just grow his own YouTube channels, but he came to establish the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God and, and he came to help people see what they were really missing out on. What, what, what you and me were missing out on before we committed our lives to Christ or, or when we start, when Christ found us is that we were missing a real shot for the entire humanity to have an authentic relationship with the living God that was marred by sin. And, and the works of Jesus, the teachings and the miracles were not limited to one particular community, but he, Jesus, he desired that Everyone experienced the, the, the uniqueness, the love, the, the hope and the relationship with that one true living God. And we see that expressed in such a beautiful manner in this particular story. If you, if you go back and read this, read this chapter and, and a few chapters before this, Jesus has actually left behind a crowd that was, that was kind of longing to spend time with him. He, he's, kind of, he's kind of let gone of that, that moment and he's kind of taken his, his followers, his disciples on this boat ride and to this, to this place. And, and we see that when he's doing all of this, he's cutting through a raging storm. He, he's going on the other side of the lake so that this one demon-possessed man too can experience the love of God. For that one person. I mean, I mean, come on, who does things like that in today's time? You know, when, when especially you've got your agendas that you've, that's so full, you, you kind of evaluate every meeting that you want to be a part of. You kind of want to see the returns that you will get. You kind of want to see the benefits that you get out of your interactions and everything that is so calculative. Yet we see Jesus doing something so contrary to how you and me sometimes behave. For that one person, Jesus takes his disciples, goes through a storm, just so that that one soul can be saved. 
And, and if you remember last, a few weeks back, we, we spoke about Jesus, you know, speaking to his disciples over that long walk. And, and where Jesus was walking alongside these two guys because, you know, he loves to go the extra mile with you. He, he loves to go the extra mile for you. And, and for those of you who have these, these mixed feelings when it comes to your experiences with God during this entire Christian faith, allow me to help all of us see the, the, the true, the deepest compassion Jesus is having towards this man. Let me, let me kind of break this down. Let me kind of give you a, a good background. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a few minutes to kind of expand on this just so that we all kind of go back really, uh, you know, filled with what God wants us to see tonight. See, this guy w- was probably ostracized by the community and left in tombs because of his condition. Can you say that? Because of his condition. Because, you know, he, he was possibly, you know, this, this one person who was always creating havoc, he was creating this chaos for the people who were ever passing by. And, and his body has gone through so much of pain. His body had gone through so much of, of trauma that he ended up causing so much pain to the people around him as well. And, and you know, when, when, you, when you kind of look at a person like this, I'm sure that the community or the, or the people in that time thought for, uh, for themselves, for their safety, for their betterment, and maybe even for the betterment of this guy, that the best possible place for a person like this is to just keep him amongst this, these tombs or amongst this cemetery or amongst this place where no living people would often visit. The people around him, maybe had accepted and even domesticated to the condition that he was going through. The people did that. But aren't you grateful that Jesus does not see you the way others see you? Aren't you, in fact, can I say this? In fact, aren't you even more grateful that Jesus does not see you the way you see yourself sometimes. See, in the eyes of God, you are not your condition. In the eyes of God, you are not your condition. You are his child. You are his daughter. But you are not your condition. I know I'm saying this to somebody right now. In the eyes of God, You are a son and a daughter. You you might be battling with things. You might have been broken. You might be, you know, bogged down. You might be frustrated. You might be irritated. You might be clueless. But that is not your true identity. Maybe according to the people who saw these, who saw this person. Maybe according to the people who were who who were tormented and troubled by this demon possessed man. Their hearts had given into fear. Their hearts had given into worry. But they had domesticated that fear. They had domesticated all the wrongs that were happening to him through this one person. And see, when you, when you get yourself used to, to, to seeing and experiencing certain things in the same light and in the same perspective, you forget that you really wanted something to be done about it. But I'm glad that Jesus shows up in this, at this place. 
For Jesus, it was different. It was not seeing the condition that the person was in. It was, it was calling out the true identity of that man. It was calling out the true identity of that man. But, but here's something that, that God really began speaking to me when I, was, when I was meditating on this particular part where Jesus and this, and this man have this interaction. Before Jesus could call out the true identity, he had to call out the things and, and, the, and the demons that were messing up his own identity. Were messing up that person's identity. You know, the Son of God, the Messiah, the, the living God showed up at that place with his power and with his authority to cast out the demons and set that man free. But, but you see, that was not the actual problem that I want to just talk about for, for, for the next few minutes. You know, it's not just about what happened to this person. There was, uh, the, the actual problem began with the people and for the people in Gerasenes. See, the, the text says that the word spread like wildfire in the city and the nearby, nearby areas of how Jesus had cast out the demons from this young man. But the word also spread that the herdsmen who had witnessed this happen were at a massive loss because the pigs had drowned in the lake. Like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this time to, to kind of really build a few things on just so that we all kind of get a fair idea of what we are going to be looking at. It's crazy that Jesus... Who, who had healed this demon-possessed man completely and brought him back to sanity is asked to leave that place. I don't say it. The text says it. The people said it. The Bible says that the crowds not just asked him, they, they begged him to, to leave. They begged him to leave. I mean, isn't that contrary to, to, to something you say or something you expect when someone has actually ended up saving a person? I mean, what kind of hospitality? What, what kind of, I mean, what kind of conversation is this? There's, there's no thank yous. There's no applause. There's, there's, there's nothing kind of appreciative words that, that were spoken or even if they were spoken, they were not recorded. Yeah, all that we see is that they were filled with fear. I mean, there's no decency in this conversation between Jesus and these, and these guys who have shown up. They, they are begging Jesus to leave because one man who was kind of tormenting the entire community, who was kind of beating himself up and who was kind of locked in this, in this, in this terrible state has been set free by Jesus and the response from the community is, Jesus, get out! But then... I think you really can't expect much from someone who's living their life in fear. See, because when you're crippled by fear, even freedom looks scary. When you're crippled 
by fear even freedom looks scary when when you are held captive to your addictions the thought of an addiction free life seems so difficult to comprehend when you have been surrounded and growing up in cultures and atmospheres that are toxic you really struggle to adapt and embrace those authentic relationships and spaces thinking that man i don't know how that's going to turn out for me i don't know that that something like that is even possible because all my life i have grown up in this and i think this is how i am going to be for the rest of my life see if you think our our relationship with christ is bound to flourish and is bound to grow then there, there will be some moments and seasons where the power and the authority of god will have to flush out certain things from your life There will be those convicting moments where the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things, will remind you of those habits, will remind you of those practices and those lifestyles that that you need to stop. There will be those moments where you need to take account of the habits, the practices and the lifestyles. And and I think that's that's where we tend to have a response which is pretty similar to these people. Jesus we beg you but please leave Jesus please go I mean these weekend talks these weekend online gatherings are good your love Jesus that that we hear about is is good I mean we we sing about it I sing about it I I tend to talk about it well maybe not always but Okay, community life. Community life is good. Like I love hanging out with people. I love meeting them. I love chilling. I love doing things with them. I'm good with that too. But but getting things out of my life? No. No way. I I that's that's crossing the line, Jesus. That's 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 bit going too far. I don't think I'm ready for that yet. And and some of us find ourselves in the exact spot where these people were we are afraid and overwhelmed with the thought of what could happen when we give our lives to Jesus completely what would our lives look like when we fully surrender to his plan what would our lives look like what would it cost us if we, if we fully have to commit our lives in the hands of Jesus Christ can i tell you this we need to stop living in fear when true freedom has already liberated us and continues to liberate us that the the freedom the hope the love the new life that we have in Jesus is true freedom that continues to liberate us that continues to allow us to to kind of walk into this new life with 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 strength with hope with a purpose that the holy spirit brings and the sad part is i i really don't know the exact reason why these people were afraid i mean was it was it because of the economic loss of these few thousand pigs or or was it because they 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 saw and heard about the massive impact that Jesus had on this one person whom they thought that, that could never possibly change i mean what was it what, was it was it because of the thought that that they too 
maybe thought that, okay, this is, this is too much of change happening too fast. And maybe that's, that's how things are going to happen for us as well. Or, or what, what are some of the things that I need to let go of? What are, the, some, what are some of the things that I need to stop doing? Or what are some of the things that Jesus is going to kind of get rid of? If I have to get on this transformational journey, if I have to see that real change happen in my life. See, the thing is, these are some practical questions that we have asked ourselves as well when it comes to believing in Jesus and following him. Have we? I'm sure I'm not the only one who, who's, who's asked these questions. Have we been... Or, or are we becoming hesitant for the things that God wants to call out and point out that kind of keep us subdued, that kind of, that kind of keep us worried, that kind of force you to live a life in fear? See, because following Christ and, and maturing in that relationship is not always about your convenience, but it is upon your convictions. So where do your convictions lie when it comes to your personal relationship with Jesus? I love how this, how this story ends. Because for the young man, right, after that one encounter with Jesus, his life was changed, his life was transformed, and he was willing to let go even of his own city, his, his own town, his own familiar place that he possibly grew up in, just so that he could go ahead and follow Jesus. But then Jesus kind of stops him and, and asks him to do these simple things, that, and, and I want to wrap it up with these. But this time, I love how the book of Mark, how Mark pens this particular verse down. Let's read from Mark chapter 5 and we'll read verses 19 and 20 from the message version. This is what it says. Jesus said, go home to your own people. Tell them your story. What the master did, how he had mercy on you. The man went back and began to preach uh, in, the, in the 10 towns area about what Jesus had done for him. He was the talk of the town. I mean, this guy started trending on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook of that time, so whatever it looked like. These, Jesus tells him to do these simple things that I want to just highlight. Go home, tell your own people, tell them your story, what the master did. And, and I love the fourth part that I want us to kind of really take hold of. Not just... That, the, that, that Jesus has had mercy on you. Not, but I love how Mark pens this particular word down. And he says, tell them your story. What the master did. How he had mercy on you. Not just the fact that God has had mercy on you. But it's, it's time you tell people how Jesus has changed your life. Not that Jesus has changed your life. It's time that you and me engage. Or start engaging in conversations with people about how the Savior, the Messiah, 
the lover of your soul has redeemed you, of how he has impacted you, of how he has given you a hope, of how he has given you this new life that we talk about, of how everything that we do on a Sunday to Sunday basis, it makes sense not only for those two hours, but makes sense in the light of our eternity, in the, in the light of everything that we put our hearts and our hands into. It's time for you and me zealous to start being a mouthpiece for God and start by telling your redemptive story. Your redemptive story is powerful. Your, your redemptive story of faith, of hope, of love in Christ is powerful. And, and, and the beautiful part is the heart of Christ longs for you to be truly transformed and renewed. But this change is possible in its fullness when you are allowing Jesus to work in your life, not only with his love, but with his power and authority. Not only with his grace, but with his power and authority. Not just only with his soothing and, and, and good words that we can kind of pick up from the Bible, but also with his commandments that he expects us to obey if we call ourselves his disciples and his followers. His power and his authority. We need to allow the majestic authority of Jesus to govern our lives as we experience his redemptive love. And that is how we learn to walk in the love of God and allow our faith story and allow our lives to be a witness for Christ. Because I'm sure this is not the first time you're hearing this, but let me just, just close with, with this. There are people around us who need to hear, or, or can I say, who are willing to hear your story in Jesus. Because whether you, whether you believe it, whether you know it or you don't know it, you are possibly the first reflection of Jesus Christ they would ever see or hear about in a tangible manner. You and me, because of Christ, can be the heart for humanity. Everything that Jesus has done in our lives of how he has redeemed our past, of how he has, you know, really given us this new life, this new hope in him. You and me have the opportunity to be a reflection and, and be a mouthpiece of that redemptive journey. I hope we allow the power and the authority of Jesus to work in our lives in its fullness. I just want to take this time to pray for every single person right now. Uh, I, want to, I want to speak specifically into situations where you have experienced the love of God. You, you have allowed your lives to experience the grace, the goodness of God. We, we sing about it as well. But, but I want to ask you this question. Have you given yourselves the opportunity to be challenged by Jesus with His power? And with his authority. 
And if it's been a long time, if you have made, if you've if kind of had that conversation with God, maybe this is the moment that, that God has orchestrated for all of us. I want to allow the power and the authority of God to take full effect in my life before 2020 ends, rather before this, this week kind of comes to a close. So if that's you, let's, let's kind of pray together and believe for God to do His work in our lives. Father, I want to thank you and I want to pray for every single person listening to this. Lord, as much as we have been uh, recipients of your unconditional love, today, God, I pray, allow us, uh, and uh, Lord, that we would allow ourselves to submit to your power and to your authority because you truly desire genuine change. You truly desire, God, that our lives will not be the same as to how they were in the past, but we would walk into the future uh, with a renewed mind and with a renewed heart. Jesus, come and have your way in our lives. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're so glad you've been listening in. If you'd like to know more about us, follow us on Insta at Zealous Pune or visit us online at zealous.community.